Welcome to day two of I Am Talks Camp Kiakaha at Challenge Road. Right, team, welcome along to day two of the I Am, no, I am Talks Camp Kiakaha at Challenge <laughs> no, I'm going with it. I Am Talks Camp Kiakaha at Challenge Road. John ran through it. 2017. 2017 as well, team. We are here and it's day two and uh, we're going to get into it really soon. But quickly, John, sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. And our patrons. And we haven't actually got any in front of us, but can you name some from the camp? Well, we're going to have to come. We're going to come up with a great one yesterday. We've got Mark Stetler, who's arrived on the camp yesterday and become a patron yesterday. Became a patron yesterday. We actually arrived on Monday, and he did challenge. Not challenge. He did Ironman Austria last weekend. Yep. And he's doubling up and doing challenge rope this weekend. And you'd think that someone like that <laughs> might have a little bit of fatigue in the legs. Yep. He was showing it to John Newsom, wasn't but he? Then he came out on our bike ride on Mon- <gasps> on Tuesday, having r- raced on Sunday, and. He's a he's a solid unit, Mark. He was spanking us all up the climbs. I w- if he had a power meter on, I'm picking sort of 500 watts plus. He's a big boy, and he was killing it. So he's recovered nicely. So we'll come up with an appropriate nickname for him. We've also got Scott the Terminator Molina, oh, official yeah. patron of the show, but a huge honorary of the patron. Show. Honorary honorary patron. And let's say the Holy Hammer, the Holy Hammer, Murray Blackworth. We'll get, we've been saying them over the last few days anyway. So today's show is very much kind of. Starting, we've just arrived in um, Nuremberg right now, which is about 20 k's out of route. Uh, and from here, the, the kind of the challenge stuff kind of really happens from tomorrow forward. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to be interviewing, we're meant to be interviewing two pros, but what happened, John? Joe Skipper missed his flight. Shocker, Joe Skipper, so sharpen up. We're going to catch up with him tomorrow, most likely, at some stage. So we're going to go off and see Heather Wurtel. We have not done the interview yet, but we're hopefully seeing her later on today. And then tomorrow we go off to the press conference. So we're spreading those interviews through the next couple of days but you know hopefully we get a few words from Jan Fredino, Daniela Reef, and Chrissy Wellington she's going to be over here at the weekend um, we've heard that Simon Whitfield is also doing a team so we'll grab a few words with him hopefully. Dylan Whitness is doing a swim he is yep. and uh, Lisa Bentley's is part of that team as well and then we'll try, basically be trying to catch as many of the pros as we can tomorrow at the press conference uh, we're lining up Brad Carterfelt as well so those are some of the names that we'll see over the next few days Any comments before we get into the interviews John? So last time you guys heard from us we were still in Regensburg we had been out for a nice little morning run and then in mid, mid-morning we went for a fantastic ride um, it was around part of the Re- uh, Challenge Regensburg course and had a beautiful long climb in it. It was fantastic. Bevan's still nursing his undercarriage because he didn't have any bike shorts. Actually, it wasn't that bad. The, the worst thing, because I'm on this bike that's a little bit small it's for me. Tiny. And it's very low. Uh, the, the two worst things, I couldn't get into aero, but more just my arms aren't used to Because in aero bikes, they're very road aero bikes. Mm. You're, you're very much kind of pushing into your handlebars because mm-hmm. I was so low. Mm-hmm. So it's more the, <laughs> the arms, and they're not that shaky, the roads over here. Yeah. So my forearms are pumped. Yeah, so we had a nice ride there. It was about 55, 60 k's. Probably should have been on the bike paths a little bit more than we were supposed to be, but we claimed uh, overseas there was one car. Did you see that? One car went on the other side of the road. That was a bit dangerous for a second. Yeah. So that was good. So we did that ride yesterday, and then in the afternoon, 
beautiful swim in this pool in Regensburg, 50 metre outdoor, made of aluminium. Did you go for a swim down there or not? No, I didn't. No, no, it, was, no. it was really interesting swimming in an aluminium pool. The water was so clear, you pushed off one end, it was a 50 metre, you could see the other end. Oh, because really? It's just amazingly clear. Wow. Not didn't feel chlorinated at all. Could you so see? So you could watch a technique when you're swimming. Was oh, not, not not the reflection, but you could just you could see the other end of the pool. It was so clear. Because uh, the one they got in rote or close to rote. It's the same as the one in rote. Yeah. Okay, but you could see yourself. Right. It was that clear at the bottom, so it was really good for your technique because yeah. you could watch it. It was a little bit fresh, but it was a, a, a nice swim. So we did that yesterday afternoon, and then today is day five of the camp, and this is where things start to wind down. Some people on the camp are a little concerned. You know, we do too much on these camps, but I assure them I wouldn't be getting them to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Um, but today we sort of have more of the traditional taper starts to kick in. So we went for a, a 2K swim down at the lake, which where they have uh, Challenge Regensburg, and it was a great swim. They had the bu- buoys all the way around the whole lake and did a lap of the lake, and it was pretty much bang on 2K. So that was fantastic, very warm. And then nice, another nice big breakfast, and then we've driven up from Regensburg to Nuremberg and... We're staying right next to a beautiful park, so I'm going to shoot out for a sort of 30 to 40 minute run, and from here on in, it is sort of more those 30 to 60 minute fairly easy workouts with a few strides or little efforts, so taper time officially is kicking off, and with that, I've warned people to ease off the eating a little bit. (laughs) AKA John Newsom needs to listen to his own advice here. I know, I am a bit of a hypocrite, but I have been pulling back a bit the last day and feeling pretty good about where I'm at. Uh, and the other interesting thing at Challenge Road that we'll probably mention a couple of times over the next period is the drafting penalty, which people are taking really seriously. Well, it sounds like you need to. Mm. So you get a five-minute penalty, which is fairly standard with Ironman and Challenge races, but then you have to run the penalty lap as well. Which is 2K? Uh, one, I think 1.5 to 2, something like it's, that. Yeah. It's, somewhere, it's either 1 or 1.5, I think. And you do that at the 30K mark on the run. That's a great penalty, it's isn't a, it? So people are... You know, normally you go, yeah, drafting, yes, I'm going to try to stay. But people are asking lots of questions about the exact distance and so on. So I think they've come up with a real winning formula, which is going to, has got people thinking, I really don't want to draft. Well, and it, it eliminates it's not worth the risk. Mm. You know, mm. like, because if you can sit in a big pack for ages, and yep. you're probably going to gain five minutes, so it's maybe calculated worth it. But to run an extra K and a half, 30K into the run. So that's a five-minute penalty plus, you know, yeah. ballpark another five minutes plus it's an extra K on your legs. Yeah, so it's a, it's a really good deterrent, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Got to say, we were in Regensburg, and uh, the, actually the, the race direct from Regensburg rang me this morning. He was trying to hook up, but we were leaving as we were ringing, so... But I've got to say, that would be an race. amazing place to do a race, wouldn't it? Great, great town in terms of if you were coming with a partner, they'd be able to do touristy stuff. Uh, it was all very, very convenient to, to get in and out of places. They actually finished the run in where the Gothic church was. Oh, really? Yeah, so they actually finished it right next to the church. Oh, cool. Yeah, and, and one thing, Grant, who's one of the campers, he spent quite a bit of time in Germany saying the, the cool thing about Regensburg is it was one of the places that had no damage through the bombing in the war. Mm. And you can really see that because it's really quite mm. historical, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great spot. Glad we, glad we had two nights it's, there. It started, the first church got built down, mm. was first built in 700 BC. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Very so cool. Regensburg is definitely, if you want to check out a cool race, a challenge Regensburg, look like it'll be a good one. Exactly. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to get who's up first. We've got Heather Wurtel. And then after that, we'll get a few more of the Epic Camp interviews on, and then we'll be back at the end of the show. Righty-ho, first interview on a lovely 
lovely a day. Hot day in Roach. God, we've been got an organ week. next to us. John was pretty impressed with the, with the organ. Do you think you can do a few tunes? Well, I could do no, no, because I don't actually understand how an organ works. Other than it's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> and Heather loves an organ, don't you? Heather? Right, Heather Wittell here, first time in Roach. Pretty happy to be here. Ah, I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, this is. Uh, been a race I've wanted to do for a long time, and I'm very excited we finally made the European adventure happen. So, six-time Ironman champion, a, m- a million 70.3 victories, been on the podium at 70.3s. What what sort of got you here? You know, did you just um, email Felix, or was it after Challenge Iceland you did last year? What sort of was it? How did, how did you end up here? Yeah, you know what? Um, partly after Challenge Iceland last year, I... I just love that race it was a great atmosphere and something different and um it's easy especially in north america when there's a lot of races and a lot of ironman races and you get sort of stuck in the cycle of qualifying for 70.3 worlds in kona and sort of doing the same races and it's great to have that um community connections and go back and sort of try and defend your titles Mm. but after a while it just you kind of want some different experiences, mm-hmm. you know? And we, I really just like, ah, oh, we should race in Europe. And um, Challenge has a great European series that rewards mm-hmm. consistent performances. So if you're top of the series points at the end, you, you get a, a, a good bonus. Um, and so, you know, I've been top of the 70.3 KPR a bunch of times, but you don't really get anything yeah, for it, yeah, you know? True, so it's like, yeah. we might as well have a something that rewards consistent performances. And it was just a great way to finally make the trip to Europe happen because we'd wanted to race over here uh, for yeah. a long time. And and then you go, okay, well, what races in Europe do you want to do? And, of course, Rote comes up because it's just amazing. You see all these photos and yeah. world champs have come and records broken and you see the crowds up the Solerberg. And so it's just something that I've always wanted to do. And Trevor, Trevor won last weekend at a challenge race, didn't he? Yeah, he, it was an inaugural race in uh, Herzberg in Belgium. Yeah. And it just looked awesome. Like, they yeah. rode up the, the mirror, which is like, yeah, you know, yeah, in yeah. The, the Tour of Flanders and all these epic bike races. So that was super cool. And that's something we're really enjoying, too, is like pretty gnarly courses that mm. in America wouldn't fly. You know, like, yeah. it's, it's too dangerous. It's too technical. It's too difficult but here they're just like oh it's this epic cycling well, climb let's like everyone go up it you know if you gotta walk you gotta walk kind of thing and we really appreciate that attitude and just the cool dynamic challenging races where you're going through twisty streets and cobbles and through town centers and stuff and so it's really been invigorating for us so iceland was your first european race uh no well i mean i'd been over trevor did ironman nice way back in the days uh, when we were age groupers and i did Obviously, uh, 70.3 world champs when I was second to Daniela in um, Zellamzi. So that was a taste of it. Like, I, I loved that race. Um, but no, we hadn't been over here for any, like, solid amount of time and hit a bunch of races. Yeah. yeah. So we're here in Rote. Have you had a, you only got here yesterday, but have you had a chance to, to check out the course at all yet? Yeah, we drove it today, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, looked at all the sort of critical points. Um, one thing that was great about the training in Banyolas is uh, I'm pretty good at being a lot more fast and technical through blind corners and little villages and mm-hmm. things like that, which uh, I didn't necessarily experience that much at home in Canada. So I'm a lot more used to that style of riding. So here I'm like, ah, this, this isn't technical, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it looks like a beautiful course, though, and um, a nice mix of terrain. I, I can... You kind of go, wow, it's amazing that the times are so fast, given like there's mm. significant climbs at the mm. south end. But yet I think it has that nice 
um, style where you get the change of muscle groups and it's not all arrow position or all long, you know, so you can really kind of have that break of muscle groups during the day and just keep the, the, the pace high. So I think it's going to be a great course. Mm. Well, obviously it is. I mean, just looking at the times, they've, they're really fast. So. so when you're lining up at the weekend and you're knowing you've got someone like Daniela Reef on the start line who, you know, she's fastest school round at the moment, does that affect you at all in terms of how you're planning your day or are you just going out there to do your thing? Yeah, uh, it changes. I don't know. I'm going back and forth a little bit in my own mind with it, to be honest. Um, sometimes you sort of think like, man, if she's going for it, like, do I need to try and ride harder at the beginning to sort of get like in the Daniela zone to try and maybe, you know, um, have that, uh, have her in view or try and be that like, in, I don't know, there in the race for a longer period or do I really want to just focus on just doing my own thing and um, so, uh, yeah, I have a little bit like that, but I think in all iron distance racing, it's a race to an extent, of course, but it's also just executing your plan properly on the day and not making any big errors and really just trying to do your thing. Um, when, obviously when someone's like trying to set a new world record and there's all that hype, you could just feel like, oh, the, the rest of the race is dismissed. But I mean, you can... I'm just looking forward to going out there and having my best performance. And I think if I do that, uh, hopefully we'll make it a, an interesting race. Does it, does it make you almost want to, does it kind of pull you into that part? You know, you know like you're so kind of saying, if I, do I stay with her at the start? And, you know, and, and right. I, I'm not, has she actually confirmed she is going for the record? Yeah, well, she's been a bit injured, I think, but. There's uh, a lot of hype around it, at least, isn't yeah. there? And so, you know, if she is, there's going to be a risk that comes with that. And do you get caught up in that? And, like, like in those big races where there are stronger fields, mm-hmm. are you some, do you kind of take the risk or do you still just go, no, do my plan and see what happens? I think you have to sort of take it as it comes. I mean, arguably, if. I mean, it could be a mistake to not ride hard to try and get with, say, like a lead pack, right? Mm. That that they're all riding legally, but if you're riding solo and there's a group of four people that are all riding 12 meters, if you can ride a bit harder and get on that pack, then that's a tactical thing that would be smart to do. So mm. trying to just have that awareness or knowing like, okay, if, uh, this is a move that I can make and it might be beneficial for the rest of the race for pacing. I mean, but Daniela, looking at her historically, she she is often not blitzing in at the beginning and just sort of getting stronger throughout and makes her moves really strong moves on the bike at the back end of the course um and so yeah like it's you just sort of have to take it as it as it comes in the race and depending on how you're feeling and but i think in general if you can be strong at the end of an ironman bike that's when you're often making up a lot of time on your competition so. mm. and are you a numbers geek power meter heart rate what do, what do you what do you do uh, to pace yourself through the day uh, I'm not a massive numbers geek, but I, I have power on my bike. Mm. And so I have averages that I look at. I have spikes I try not to go over for mm. too much length of time. Uh, I don't really look at heart rate or anything like that. But, yeah, power is speed. You've, you know, if we look at your career, you've just kind of amazingly successful senior point three in a really good Ironman career. Like, God, you've had six wins. But, you right. know, it, w- do you feel you are more consistent at 70.3 and what do you feel if that is the case would it help you make that transition more into your Ironman racing yeah it's interesting actually I think um if you look at my Ironman wins they're all on very challenging courses it was all like one St. George twice which was just like epic climbing (laughs) and and uh 
the course record in um, Ironman Coeur d'Alene, which I'm very sad to learn is now the last year, um, and Lake Placid. And so it's funny when they're looking at times and going, well, like, well, her fastest time was only 9.16. It's like, well, it was on these yeah. courses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> massive climbs and very... It wasn't so, great. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And so I, it's funny, like, the times are meaningful, but they're not meaningful at the same time. It's mm. Ironman. The conditions change vastly year to year, like course to course. So the comparisons are a little... Meh. And um, if you want to say, like, oh, I haven't been as good at the full, partly that's been because I've been targeting races to really try and practice in the heat and humidity for Kona because okay. I was really like I need to nail Kona um so I was doing Cozumel I was doing Ironman Texas and frankly I wasn't that excited about those races but it was something I felt I needed to do to nail the big one on the big island um and so that was also another choice I needed to make this year was like I just want to do an Ironman that I'm iron distance event that I'm super stoked on you know and um I'm not focusing on Kona this year. And so that was just a really great uh, refresher, actually, to get back to what I love about triathlon, which is very challenging courses, you know, mm -hmm. dynamic hills. Like, I like it when it's hard. You're doing it because, like, it's cool and exciting, and I don't want to be in the aero position in the heat for five hours, like, mm -hmm. on a really boring course. So mm -hmm. um, so that was part of it. Uh, and and because I was focusing on those, it, it wasn't necessarily races that catered to my strengths and it was also set up in a plan where it was Kona qualification was the objective not necessarily winning that given mm. race in my training schedule and while that has its use in trying to nail the world champs it wasn't satisfying for me who as a racer I want to do an Ironman to like be in it to try and win you mm. know and so I think that's why you go like oh well my Ironman wins sort of fell off but I don't think it's reflective of my ability as an iron distance athlete is just the choices I was making and focusing on Kona. And what's been your Achilles heel in Kona? Because you had a, a 12th last year, you've had DNFs in 13, 14, and 15. What's right. sort of, what's, what's, what's made you come a little bit unstuck over there? Um, I have a, a really high sweat rate, and uh. I just, with my body size, I, it's just managing. How tall are you? Because you're quite I'm tall. I'm 6'1". Okay. Yeah, 186 centimetres. Um, and that was something that, yeah, I just struggle with, like that amount of fluid loss, just getting the sodium replacement, fluid replacement right. And the year I felt like super dialed was the year before last. And mm. then I had that my derailleur broke on mm. the first climb. And so that was just like a huge heartbreak because I felt like I've gotten sort of, mm. so I've just had a lot of these like jabs from Kona, you know, like, oh, and then, and it's a, a bit of a, you know, it's a trying environment to be training mm. in and to try and nail. And so I think uh, I I just needed a little bit of a mental pullback and break from that race. Uh, I think I can s still do well there, but it's just, it takes a monumental effort, you know. Um, mm. And so I definitely want to do some other iron distance races that I was like super keen on before going back and trying to really get Kona right. And so you're saying you've shifted your focus this year and it's gone back to maybe the, the area of why you love the sport. What has it given to you this year? I'm just feeling, both Trevor and I are just feeling super stoked and like just jazzed about triathlon again, wow. which is a really great feeling, you know. Um, it, partly the whole scene in Europe, I mean, training in Banyolas, the most courteous drivers ever. Like they have a, a huge respect for cyclists. So you know, I didn't realize actually how much kind of angst you have just in the back of your mind training often where you're like, oh, you know, really trying to keep to the right and 
never riding to a rest and you're on a twisty road and you're like, I hope these cars can get around. And people, you just kind of feel like they're angry that you're mm. there. And in Canada, I feel like people are pretty courteous, but there's still that vibe of vehicles first. And in Banyola, so it was like, people slow right down. They'll sit behind you on a windy road forever and they're not upset. They move over. And it was just this like, wow, this is <laughs> amazing. Like I was just looking forward to all of my long rides because I got to explore amazing roads. I had zero sketchy driver interactions and and just that whole sort of Southern European lifestyle was really refreshing. Um, and then the courses, uh, yeah, and uh, this, the championship in Samarin was awesome. The, mm. the course in Halberon was amazing. Trevor really loved this one in Belgium, just like everything in the town center, you know, so people come out and watch and you're zipping around through these villages and it was just uh, different and 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 different is nice for a change yeah, yeah. We, we've been out of the loop for the last few weeks because we've bevan's been traveling and i've uh it's hard life. yeah <laughs> but so tell us a bit about the championship and what that was like because it got some coverage but it wasn't huge coverage so from an athlete's perspective and, and the hype did it kind of feel like a championship race um so what was it like yeah i think that's actually often the case where when you're at the venue itself it really feels like a championship. Like, I remember when the 70.3 Worlds first came to Tremblant, yeah. when you were there, that was amazing. Like, you're like, this is such a, this is an incredible world championship. They had, like, a jet fly over the thing before, and it was just all this awesome stuff, but there was no real live anything. There yeah. was, and people were like, wah, wah, like, what even happened? But you're there as an athlete, and you're like, this wasn't an amazing experience. And it was, I think, similar there. Like, this was an incredible facility. They did, like, had this world championship vibe there was like really good competition and uh so it had that feel but i think it's hard to like get that adequately reflected i mean i definitely appreciated that they worked really hard to have the live coverage Mm. coverage. yeah yeah i got i watched it i and what's so nice as an athlete is like when your parents are like we could actually watch you (laughs) you know it wasn't Mm. like we could maybe get athlete tracker updates every once in a while or whatever. <laughs> and so that, that I got a lot of positive feedback from people about the, the coverage and, and there, I mean, it was an inaugural event, of course. So like everything, there's always things that can be improved on, but I think they really did a good job and uh, I'm excited. I hope it, I hope it grows. I mean, I know I appreciated that it was outside of the really busy fall championship schedule. Cause usually, you know, there was, I2 Long Course World, 70.3 Worlds, Kona, and you're trying to, you kind of want to race them all because mm. they're championships, but that doesn't necessarily have the best fields because everyone's trying to pick and choose which one. And so I think at that time of year, I mean, there's no reason why mm. the world-class fields shouldn't show, you know, and they had the 20-meter draft zone, which was brilliant. Was um, it? Did it work? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think there was a little bit of... Um, complaint with some of the video footage i guess on the men's race that you know the lead moto issue is a huge issue in our sport right now um and so you want to have live coverage but you don't want to have the mm. camera people giving that person yeah. an advantage um but i think it was minimal and definitely i feel within the women's race anything that i observed people were really like 20 meters is a long way you know mm. <laughs> like i'm okay i'm in the draft zone or not there were signs saying this is the start of 20 meters this is end multiple places on the course and so and it definitely had that feeling like when everyone got off the bike, we had all had 90K in our legs, yeah. you know? And, and I think that's that's a great element. They had that at Challenge Dubai, too, mm. um, yeah. which was which was brilliant. So I think things like that are really good, and hopefully that will bring more and more people to the Challenge Championship. 
So Challenge wrote on Sunday, is, what, is anything particular you're looking forward to that you've heard about, You know, whether it's the Solderberg Hill or Bear Miles, or what, what, what are you really excited about seeing that might be a bit different to what you've experienced elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, the Solderberg Hill, just looking at photos... It mm. honestly looks like it's going to be slightly terrifying. It is. It is. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Oh, it's different. I loved it. <laughs> because you're just like, where do I even go? Like, yeah. there's just this wall of people. Yeah. So that just looks phenomenal. Um, yeah, I really like the, there's sections where you're in a rhythm and riding hard, but then there's little technical bits through town. And I just mm. like that style of riding. It's like, mentally stimulating and and like exciting it is an interesting bike course isn't it you yeah. never you're never kind of in the same place for you know kind right of yes yeah. kind of within yourself for long eh? yeah. yeah yeah and i guess the run course is all new this year um i'm a bit sad because it seemed like that canal surface was w- kind of dreamy to run on <laughs> yeah and we're a lot more on the asphalt which but uh, I guess it's going to be way more spectator friendly and loud and just like through all the little towns. So, again, you're going to have that mm. excitement. Um, so I think that's going to be super cool. For a pro who, you know, is, is pushing it to the limit, how much does, are you aware of crowds? Um, I think you're definitely aware. Um, yeah, I mean, I hear things sometimes you don't necessarily acknowledge them. So, um Depending where, you know, if you're in a good place or a bad place too, or if the energy is like feeding your race or if it's, you're kind of having a bad patch and it's feeling negative, you know, it, it always changes. Um, but yeah, I like it. I You're looking forward to, to tomorrow getting dressed up in your traditional German outfit? Have they got <laughs> yeah, one the your di- size? I you know, it'll just be short. It'll be a knee, it'll be <laughs> yeah. a knee length one, which yeah. I think which should work out okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it should be fun. It looks like a hoot with the lederhosen and all yeah. that. Yeah. And Trevor's not racing? No. So, so since he did this race in yeah. uh, Belgium, he was just here to support me, which will be fun. Cool. Um, yeah, he wanted to... We're both thinking we might end up doing uh, a full at the end of the season for in preparation for Kona next year. Although we've yeah. had so much fun, we almost want to just come back and race again <laughs> in Europe. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be the plan. And he finds it quite difficult to focus on a full, then switch back to short, shorter distance racing. So he wanted to wait till later in the season yeah. to do that. Yeah. What's the relationship difference between like challenge and a pro, and from your perspective and? Uh, what are they called? WT- Wanda? Wanda, WTC, yeah. Ironman, whatever yeah. they're called. Um, I mean, I definitely have more uh, personal interaction with the, the higher-ups in challenge, just like on a, hey, like, how's it going at the races? Um, and I feel like they're all about the athlete. You know, it's a family thing is, is, is pretty accurate. I mean, I definitely have that vibe in that sense, but... I don't want to detract from Ironman either because I love the crew that organizes the events in North America and I've made my living from racing their races. They're really well organized. And I think the Ironman people themselves would admit like operationally, they're fantastic. On the ground, excellent events, super safe, super organized, like the guys are on it. But where they're feeling a little bit is in like just the social media and the coverage and, and triathlon is an awesome sport. And if they really had like better tracking, better just info out there for each of the races about the pros it would increase the interest people will get more invested in it and it just makes the whole sport more exciting i feel like they're definitely focusing on growing the sport in asia and they have you know various objectives but 
it's kind of making me sad that there's some of these iconic races like Canada and Coeur d'Alene and stuff are falling by the wayside. Um, and that when they had huge opportunities like with Ironman St. George to showcase like an insanely competitive, awesome race, it was just a total fail like, mm-hmm. social media wise. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and it's race specific too. like some races just kill it. Like the, the people in St. George, uh, like the St. George tourism office, they do a brilliant job and they're super supportive of the athletes. And so you have, it just varies, you know, mm. from race to mm. race. And I'm sure even within the challenge organization, some race organizers are super on it with the social media and whatever. And then others, it's, you know, it's newer and different challenges. So. Well, we'll look forward to... Uh, I've got one more question. Yeah, one more question. question. Well, just like, because you're on Trevor of Pro Athletes and you've been in it for a long time. Like, I th- we, we, we interviewed you... 2010. 2010. Jeez, we've been around that long, mate. Yeah, yeah. we started like full time in... Tw- 2009 yeah. but i did my first race as a pro but like while still working full-time or whatever in 2007 and when we, we, we spoke to you you were in a caravan and you just before the interview you said you did it for six years yeah yeah wow. <laughs> wow. But, but like you know like you know most a lot of triathletes and especially long course athletes struggle really with relationship because uh, of the demands of the sport and i know you guys have a lifestyle which is about just doing the sport without maybe career demands outside of it although it is your career but mm-hmm. what are some of the keys to making a relationship successful from your perspective as a pro oh yeah um just having a huge amount of respect for each other's commitment uh to the sport but also for us really keeping it real like triathlon it's a great privilege to be a professional triathlon triathlete and to do it for a living and we take it very seriously but it's just triathlon, <laughs> right at the end of the day yeah. right and so it's sort of like you have to have fun with it and uh, laugh at yourself and not just be super obsessive about everything. And I think we're both pretty easygoing by nature and we like to laugh a lot uh, and make fun of each other as we're, you know. And so I think um, just that that sort of attitude of, of, of being very serious about our commitment to it and, and serious about our training and wanting to be the best athletes we can be but not taking ourselves too seriously, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's, yeah. That's helped us. Um, I've made you think of another question, haven't I? Well, no, <laughs> no, 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 you did remind me of something because I know that Trevor makes um, the odd comical um, video mm-hmm. clip. So if people want to follow what you guys are doing and, and Trevor with some comical video clips, what's what's the best way for them to, to follow what you're doing? Yeah, so we're Team Wartel on all social media things on Instagram and Twitter and then we have a – he has – all of his videos on Facebook, so you can just find Trevor Wartell's page. And also, he started a pretty cool project uh, with Eric Lagerstrom um, and some other guys called Transition 4, and it's trying to just, like, share the stoke of triathlon with cool videos, and we did, like, a funky time-lapse um, stop-motion type thing when we were in Samarin, and so that's another platform mm-hmm. on uh, Instagram and transition4.tv you can find, too. So Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Kick back out there on Sunday, and I might see you out there. You might come past me because you're starting five minutes behind. But we'll, uh, we'll see oh, how we yeah, go. Oh yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. So it's the pro men, and then S- and the sub nine Sub nine. But do you start with the pro men? Yeah. Oh, and then okay. girls are five minutes behind. And then we're five minutes behind. So mm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think. What's your, what do you, what sort of swim time do you do? Uh, 
Here we go. John, John hates being checked. 50, he hates three, it. 50, yeah. 50. So I'm gonna get, I think I'll get a couple of minutes there. <laughs> yeah. But you'll, you'll be faster elsewhere. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll see you Should somewhere. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Sounds good. Uh, good luck for the race. Yeah, thanks so thanks much. Thanks for your time. Okay, Tim. So I start these interviews with your name and where you're from. Uh, my name is Judy Daggett, and I am from Clarksville, Tennessee, which is just outside of Nashville. You got, the, you got a little bit of the accent happening. Yeah. <laughs> What got you into triathlon? Well, um, it was just a challenge. I have a running background. I started, um, uh, had a goal to run a marathon before I was 30, uh, before I was 40, and I did my first one when I was 39, and I've done about 25 plus marathons, and then a friend of mine challenged me to um, to do a triathlon. At one point, I thought I was going to... I. I was going to do a marathon in every state in the United States, and uh, then I got sidetracked with triathlon. And the oh, really? first time I did an, an Olympic distance triathlon in Nashville, I was just hooked. I just loved it. So, and so marathon running just died in that moment. Did it die in the moment? Yeah. Well, like you know, you, it seems like you're on a kind of a mission with running. Yeah, triathlon comes along. Well, I just ran a lot. Yeah. I ran too much, and so I kept getting injury. Um, um, injuries here and there, stress fractures and that kind of thing. Okay. And then when I started doing, you know, mixing in the biking and the swimming, it seemed like I stayed more healthy and um, injury-free. And what, what was your best marathon time? Best marathon time, I think, was like maybe 325. Oh, nice. Most of my marathons are like we're almost on the nose at 330, three hours and 30 oh, really? minutes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, and so what was it that was so appealing about triathlon when you kind of tried that first one? Um, I don't – I just loved um, all of the disciplines. I loved the people who were in it. I just enjoyed the challenge of, of kind of mixing up the sports. Yeah, kind of. A so then, how long have you been in triathlon for? Um, gosh, I did my first um, Ironman in two thousand four. I did two in that year, and then I kind of went back to running for um, uh, several years. And then over the last decade, I've kind of been consistent in the in the Ironman effort. This one, Ironman Roth, will be my twenty third. Wow! I believe. Wow. Yes. Well, so what are, what are the keys? You know, because you've been to how many times you done Hawaii? This will this year will be my eighth. Wow, time. wow! Yes. And so, what what do you think are the keys? You know, someone who's been in the sport for a while now, you've raced a lot, especially at long distance. Uh, what do you feel are some of the keys to being successful? Consistency really? is number one. Consistency, ne never missing a workout if you can help it. You know, and pretty, doing something every every day, trying to. Um, and the older I get, the more I see the importance of recovery. You know, at, you know, really delving in there and, and straight away start doing something for, for me, you know, helping yourself recover. And in that same concept is nutrition. Nutrition is vitally important. A lot of uh, triathletes, including myself, think that you can um, eat, you know, oh, you're doing all these hours and you're burning all these calories. And so you can pretty much eat what you want, but you cannot out-train a poor diet. No, well, you say consistency is you know, the first one you came up with. It's, it's it's one thing to say consistency is the key to success, but being consistent is another thing. So, how are you consistent? As in why why are you able to be consistent? Um, why? Well, the first why would be stay, being staying healthy, 
and then uh, then it's just a it's just it's funny isn't it it's an individual motivation thing um you just um i don't know i i don't i i here's the here's the next thing is is keeping your joy you you can't i don't think you can continue long term in anything whether it's a relationship or a job a career or just a hobby unless you keep your joy Hmm. so um yeah you have to keep it fun even though you set um goals for yourself you it can't break you if you don't meet them you still have to find positive in the efforts that you've that you've put forth and and so is the same in training you have to it has to bring you joy you have to find some benefit from doing it otherwise you won't right has the joy changed yeah i think it has you know um or my goals have changed you know it was very um i I am a type a personality i like to do well at anything that that i do i don't want to halfway do something um but so the goal used to be just you know the first time i went to do iron man kona i um, actually injured myself on the way to the race yeah it's a long story but I, it was a foot injury, and, and it, I, I re-injured it. It had been healed for like six months, and I, I re-injured it in a, in a fall. Uh, long story, but it, when I, I got to Cone, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to even finish, uh, do the run. I thought, well, I can, I can do the swim and, and the bike, but I'm not sure about the, the run portion. But um, I went and saw an orthopedic guy there and he did an x-ray and it's it was fine he he did do he said you've re-injured your plantar fascia and gave me a a steroid injection (laughs) in it and i finished the race but at the end of that i thought i at the end of the ironman i i didn't know whether to curse the place and say i'll never be back again or if i would or if that desire would come back you know that i needed to come back and do that and and in the next morning it did i mean i was just so on fire to come back oh, wow. and so for the next year or two to requalify was just out it was huge but you can't let the goal be bigger than you you need to find pleasure in your other and this sport and in what you're doing so i started traveling and started going all all, all over the world doing i've done you know, places like Ironman Brazil, um, New Zealand, um, Busselton, Australia, um, Cozumel, uh, several places that were destination spots for me to go. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, and I went to Ironman Germany, I did that one a couple of years ago, and I, and I thought, you know, if I don't qualify, then at least, you know, I've, I've traveled to a beautiful place, and um, all is well. Mm. So. so this race, Rote, is one of the icons on the calendar. Uh, what does it mean to be doing Rote for you? Oh, man, it's been a bucket list um, a race for a while. And um, I guess I haven't ever really pursued it because being single and not having a, a spouse to come with you or, an, or anybody else who I knew that was had that on their bucket list as well, you know, kind of put it on the back burner. But then the opportunity came and and... I'm thrilled to be here and doing it with you all. You guys have, when my bike didn't show up for almost three days, <laughs> everybody has been so lovely from, 
Oh my gosh, from people volunteering wetsuits to practice swimming to bicycles to your bike shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she had my bike shoes on. <laughs> Luckily, you're close to my feet size. <laughs> yeah. With my insoles, it worked. <laughs> One of the questions I'm kind of, I like is, is what, how would you like yourself to be seen as a triathlete? Mm. Well, strong, um, gracious, and grateful hmm. yeah nice nice well good luck this weekend hopefully you have an amazing race hopefully it delivers everything well, what's the goal for the weekend like time wise yeah oh are you supposed to say that out loud you, well you're now, you're going to right now so <laughs> um i would like to be around the 11 hour mark okay great yeah that would be a really good race for when, me. when you go to kona what, what what kind of position do you get in your age group in kona well, I did podium this last year. Wow. I was fifth place in my age division. Wow. And, what an uh, achievement. I was only a couple minutes off a third and fourth so uh, place, so I was very, very stoked about that. And um, But this, you have to let every race unfold, and some days you have good days, and some days you don't have good days. I'm hoping for a good day here. Yes. Oh, you should be very proud of that. Well, thank you for coming on the show, and good luck this weekend, and we'll be cheering you on the race. Thank you, thank you. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> Okay, I'm starting these interviews with name and where you're from. So come on in and tell me your name, where you're from. Murray Lapworth, a.k.a. Holy Hammer from Christchurch, New Zealand. Murray, you've been in sport for how long? Well, I first started in 1990 for a couple of years, and then business and injury actually ceased that, and business took over. And then I actually restarted Ironman in late in 2004 to do Ironman New Zealand in 2005. And then you've been hooked since? I did two years, then had a year off again with business commitments, and then another two years, and then three years off with business, and I've since 2012 I've been consistent. So. What are some of the lessons, you know, since you're such an experienced athlete, uh, what are some of the lessons that you've learnt just because of my time in the sport? Well, it's interesting, this year things have sort of come into fruition. I've had five years consistent, which is one thing, and since 2013 I've had a number of injuries, which I've had to rehab from, and I've done a lot of, you know, starting with 10 minutes easy and building up a lot of easy running to, to recover, and I my running is now much more efficient. I'm able to run at a much lower heart rate. Oh, really? So it's interesting to see what happens on Sunday as a consequence of, of that. So. so just learning to look after and manage the body a lot better? Yeah, well, I, I, I think I'm pretty sensitive, and I tend to pick up injuries very quickly, so they don't develop into serious ones. So the last one was... Uh, an Achilles strain in mid-January and I managed to, I didn't run for a couple of weeks and got uh, a program, uh, rehab and I managed to do Challenge Wanaka after having run seven minutes sort of thing so um, it's, yeah, I, I do not thrash the body but um, despite the reputation, yeah. What, what keep, what, what's the love of the sport for you? Self-improvement, really. Um, I do enjoy trying to better myself. That's why I like triathlon as opposed to after Kona, I did the coast-to-coast, and you know the course is different, the conditions are different, and you can't actually measure your performance. Whereas if you do a 10K run, you know whether you've whether 49, 49 minutes is better than 50 minutes or whatever. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what, what, what's the goal for this weekend for you? Uh, personal best. So the first goal is to finish. Yep. Second goal is to beat ten fifteen, which is my current PB. My key goal is actually to break ten hours. Okay. Uh, 
hopefully around 9.50 plus or minus 9 minutes 59 seconds so I remember when I did my first I must have been my first sub 9 or, or maybe even under 9.5 and, and you come to that finishing shoot and you just see that number like oh yes you know like it's a it's a pretty cool moment uh, you, you're an uber cyclist and you're an axe on the cycle how, how do you make sure you manage it without destroying your run that well that's been the beauty of power meter in that I've got that in about uh, must be been 2013 actually I used it for Kona and I had a PB run in Kona and negative split the run oh wow and that is simply because I used a power meter as a rev limiter red line yeah. counter and so I was able to come off the bike even though I remember in the first K of the run, I felt as though I was just putting one foot just in front of the other foot. Yeah. But somehow or other, it, um, it all came together. So, uh, And I'm riding to power on uh, the weekend, so it's, and I'll just be consistent. And that's how I... Um, so in the past, I probably have gone too hard on the bike, and it, it has impaired my run. So, so having a tool that makes me stay controlled yep. means that I run better. Yeah. And... and did you think you were being controlled in the past before you had I, the tool? I did, but I know now that when I start for the for the first couple of hours on the bike, it is going to feel really easy on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't actually if you start out and you feel it in your thighs, you're not going to you're not going to sustain that till the end. So you, you say the sport's about help, uh, kind of self improvement. You know, that's the reason you love it and why you've been up for so long. You know, as you kind of go from year to year, what what do you look for for an improvement? Uh, well, I, actually, there's, it's not just self-improvement. Like last year, Epic Camp was just an amazing experience, and that was the only reason I did it, was, and, and it was phenomenal. Um, the Rote is, again, another experience because of the reputation of this event is just amazing. And, and when you jump on the website and you scroll down on the, to the homepage and you see the picture on Solar Hill, the crowd's going crazy that... Uh, you know, on this event, there's 3,400 3, competitors normally, uh, individuals plus 650 teams, and uh, court 260,000 spectators on course, and I think, like, I'm talking about like 100,000 on Solar Hill. Yeah. And you ride up that, and the road's crowded just like Tour de France, and it parts as you ride up it. Yeah. That's just phenomenal. And, yeah. And down at the bottom of that homepage, there's a, uh, an image of the um, the finish arena, and... and Every other Ironman I've done, and I've only done Ironman events, um, despite trying to do a, a challenge one in Cairns in 2013 or 12, um, that I've never got, I've finished my race and gone home and cleaned up and gone to bed. I've never been there for the finish when I've heard people talk about that. You know, the yeah. cut off <laughs> is amazing, but I'm hanging around the whole time this time. I'll be there for the finish party and uh, the fireworks at 11 p.m. So, yeah, it's. Um, where did that question start? No, again? no, 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 no. no. So, <laughs> oh, yes, I'm, again, I'm doing rope for an experience, um, and I did uh, epic camp for an experience, and yeah, I uh, I don't have a burning desire to do any more Ironman or Iron Distance races, particularly if I do achieve a, a sub ten. This one, um, it'll be more about experiences, but and and it has just the the, the self de personal development has been just like beating yourself of improving your time sort of thing. So, mm. yeah. How would you like to be thought of as a triathlete? That's a good question, isn't it? It's uh, one I haven't actually thought of. That's um, why I'm chucking it at you, mate. Hit you with the hard ones. Um, how would I like to be thought of as a triathlete? As, yeah, I guess I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm up a court hall. Um, 
as a, a I'm clearly a strong biker and uh, yeah, well rounded. My my running has improved. Um, my swimming has probably deteriorated, um, but that's partly age. I suspect that uh, I probably should be doing. what Melina would say, should you say, should be doing weights? <laughs> in my, yeah. I'm in my mid fifties now, so I'm suffering muscle atrophy. So. Yeah. Um, haven't really thought about how I should be remembered as a triathlete, but uh, I've certainly got some great friendships from this, and it did occur to me earlier this year that at my funeral I would suspect there will be some triathletes there. So, yeah. yeah. Well, what about camps? Why do you like camps? Uh, they are a great experience, and my first one was John. When I turned 50, John suggested that I do Kona Light, uh, for my 50th and uh, to experience the Ironman World Champs course because he knew that I'd done sort of five years mm. in the 2005 to 2009 and hadn't qualified and I wasn't active in Ironman and suggested come along and do this camp and you'll experience the Ironman course which we did and, it was, and that was fantastic and amazing experiences, great interactions with people and just experienced the whole Kona deal and um, uh, my objective on that was to complete everything on the camp and not bury myself into a hole so that I could race reasonably. And thankfully, I actually managed to pick up a Kona slot yeah. at Honu yeah. seventy point three. And uh, <laughs> the irony is, I got to do the the, the Kona World Champs. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and apparently, you got pretty drunk that night as well. Is the story going around? <laughs> I can't remember. Being <laughs> <a> <laughs> Well deserved, well deserved. Uh, um, oh, but so in terms of camps, that was yeah. a great experience. And then I did, uh, in preparation for Epic France, I did John's camp in North Canterbury, the Ironman yep. New Zealand camp, and that was four days, and, and that was great. Just That was good preparation. It was a good block of four consecutive days training to prepare for um, France. And then... France was uh, cycling those those legendary climbs yeah. with a great bunch of people and uh, and it really did open your eyes to a completely new experience. In one of my blogs, I said referred to um, uh, that my chief executive should regard this as the best, uh, best executive thing. development program yeah. going and contribute to the cause. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you need to but, fund in this. Uh, and that follows on from the very first Ironman that I did, that at the end of it I realised it was actually should be called Iron Mind, mm. because when I started out on that run in the first two kilometres I saw people vomiting, I saw people running off into the bushes to squat, I heard ambulances going out and thought, man, this is a war zone, that uh, there's people falling like flies, and mm. and uh, it, it changes your perspective on things. I think it's, it's great in terms of, you know, if you're sitting in a boat and you're 4K offshore and the motor fails and you've got no way of getting back, well, no problem you just jive overboard and swim back to shore so yeah, yeah. and same if you had an injury in the bush you'd not, you just run out 50k so yeah. it changes your perspective on things and that was a significant thing with uh, epic camp in france that uh, yeah you, you do well we did a 13 hour day and and uh got into some very dark places on uh, on one particular day and uh you, it was even too much to take it a kilometer at a time it mm. was just a pedal stroke at a time weaving across the road and yep. uh so it's it, it it has developed me as a as a person and and really uh, um, mentally in particular well good luck this weekend mate it's Thanks, uh, been awesome having a show and it's always you're always such a great supporter of what we do so that we appreciate that and uh good luck this weekend smash Very it mate get that sub 10 thank you right here, mate okay. name and where you're from Alexandria, Virginia, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Grant Petrie. And uh, Grant, we were doing a take two there. Grant, uh, how long have you been in the sport for? 
I've been in the sport now for about a dozen years. Wow. What got you into it? I got into it because all of my uh, marathon running friends said I've got to come over to the dark side really? and do triathlon. So, yeah. And so how long did you run for? I ran for 20 years. And what kind of marathon time were you doing in your time? Uh, back in the day when I was all right, I went to Boston frequently. Nice. So I was doing anywhere between 3.15 to 3.20. Nice, nice. Uh, and now it's just faded away into my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so, so why has endurance sport been such a part of your life? You know, I've always enjoyed the social aspects of it, uh, meeting a lot of good people. Uh, I enjoy the effort. And uh, I was in the foreign service for years, so I'd move around a lot. And I found a great way to meet people was to join a, a running club or a triathlon club. And pretty soon you got to know every good place to run or bike um, in the new city you got to live in. As well as make, you know, within three months you always had 30 new friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was life on the road like? You know, like it's most of us tend to maybe move once or twice in a, in a, in a lifetime. Um, but, you, you know, you moved a lot. So what was that life like? You know, most of the time it was pretty good. Um, and even today, uh, you know, I can uh, pick up the phone or I can go to another country and I can go see people I trained with 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, last year I came over here to Germany to do a challenge Kreitschgau and I had a bunch of my old teammates from Germany come out and do it with me. Wow. And other times, um, I know I've gone to other places and run into uh, friends of mine that I trained with marathoning 15 years ago in Virginia or even from Seoul, Korea. Wow. And, uh, you know, as another case in point, this past February, I was able to go back to Australia and uh, uh, do the Huskisson uh, half Ironman there with a bunch of my old teammates from Canberra. It was great. It was good. For, for the person who does have the kind of transient life, so you kind of, you're saying one of the keys to kind of adapting to a lifestyle like that is to have an activity where you can social create social. Yep. Uh, whatever were the keys, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of just curious on how do you adapt well to that kind of moving a lot. Well, you know, it's always a bit of a challenge because you're mm. always working at, you know, okay, getting to know new people, making sure you're not, uh, and, and you have to be friendly and open to it. And in all these places I went to, I always learned the language. Mm. So I oh, speak, did you? I speak some German, yeah, Spanish, yeah. Um, even spoke a little bit of Korean back in the day. Wow. So you, you just learn it, and you're nice. And one of the great things about endurance sports is uh, no matter how fast or slow you are, if you toe the line and you do the workouts, people... Respect the, it. Yeah, they respect it, and they'll, yeah. they'll accept you. When you went from being a runner to kind of being a triathlete, what, what, what did evolve, how did you evolve as an athlete at that moment? Well, well, let me think. You know, I mean, you, I evolved a little bit. I had to learn how to swim, which was not easy at the age of 49. <laughs> <laughs> and most of my mates will tell you that uh, I still don't know how to swim. <laughs> um, you know, I, geez, I evolved by learning, you know, the bike mechanics and all of those types of things. Um, putting up with uh, two-a-day workouts, uh, you know, four or five days a week, yeah. that certainly took quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I held off a lot of the real serious triathlon until my kids were older, okay. you know, 11, 12, 13, so they could at least fend a little bit more on themselves, and I didn't have to drive them to their own swim practices mm. or baseball practice and stuff, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, you, I know that this race obviously holds a special place in your heart because you'd kind of, in your mind, you are saying the other night how you, you really had pulled back from doing Ironman, at least, or long course. Uh, but then this race, when you heard that we were doing this, is like, you know what, I've got to come and do it. So why is this race so appealing? Oh, you know, I think this is one of the, it's clearly one of the great races of the world. And um, 
you know, I think just knowing that, then it, there's a certain appeal to it. It's like doing New York City Marathon or the Boston Marathon, I, and I'd love to do the London Marathon. Um, you know, and I'll never qualify to go to Kona. I'm not that fast. So to have this chance is, is great. Yeah. yeah. So it's a chance to do one of the big ones and uh, you know, come out of retirement for it. <laughs> yeah. So when, when did you do your last Ironman? I did my last Ironman a year ago. Okay. And it was interesting because that, that night was the night to register for this race. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can only register for the race in about And, and which race minutes. was this? Which race did Ironman you Ironman Lake Placid. Okay, yep. And I really bombed in Lake Placid. Okay. I had a horrible race. Slowest race of my life. And... Uh, so I was thinking, how oh, do I want to get up at midnight U.S. time and, and you know, do the sign up? And she was, no way. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was only a few weeks later I saw the Facebook uh, uh, announcement uh, from I Am Talk, and I thought, well, here it is. I can get in. Yeah. So why not? Yeah. yeah I, I love the idea of the person who's loved exercise for their life. And, you know, and mm. how old are you got? 63. Yeah, that's right. This morning. So, so, you know, like you've been an exerciser your whole adult life so what are some of the lessons that you would like to share with those who are maybe younger in years around how you keep exercise as a, a thing in your life forever forever well let me think i did go about 15 years where i didn't exercise much i got pretty heavy and smoked um and i i reckon i i knew all the time i had to lose that weight mm. and i guess one of the the lessons was Yes, you can, of okay. course, go out and just do it. Yeah. Um, persistence for me was the key. I set a personal uh, goal of never take off from exercise more than two days in a row. Okay. Because then I'd take off three. Yeah. And then four. So it flow and, off. And, and yeah. fall off completely. So I never take off more than two days, even if it's just something short. Yep. And uh, if I'm injured, I find something else to do. Mm. Yeah. And just, just keep at it. And, yeah. what, and what about the whole idea of, you know, because I know running's a bit more of a struggle for you nowadays. Mm. And so that kind of evolution of how I'm going to move my body as I age, is that, is that something you think about as well? Sure. Um, you know, I, I do a lot more yoga than I used to. Um, <clears throat> I remember one time my mother asked me, she said, so how long are you going to keep doing this running thing? <laughs> and I remember at the time I thought, until I just can't. Yeah. So I'll do endurance sports of some sort until I just can't. Yeah. And uh, I'd, uh, I slipped four discs last year, and I kind of thought, is this it? Yeah. Oh, wow. And um, I took two days off, and then I was in the same <laughs> pool. <laughs> but so I still could. <laughs> How would you like to be thought of as a triathlete? Oh, jeez. Um someone who took the time to learn how to do the sport, um, someone who appro approached it with a positive attitude, um, someone who um, learned that uh, triathlon is chaos. You know, just, it is absolute chaos. Every race is different, every transition's different, and, um, and geez, that's fun. Nice. So it's, it's just like being a teenager, even yeah. though I'm 63. Yeah. Because you just look at it and go, wow, this is new. Yeah. Every race is new, yeah. you know, whether it's the weather, weather or something else. Yeah, and that's good. Hey, well, good luck this weekend. We'll be there. They're cheering you along. Well, I know, I know the goal is kind of just to get it done. But do you have a, a kind of a time idea? Uh, I'd sure like to go about thirteen and a half. Okay, great. We'll see. Great. Well, fingers crossed. We'll be there cheering you along. Mate. Thanks for your time, Grant. Thanks. You're a champ. Sure. Okay, name and where you are from. Uh, name is Chris Doherty. Uh, I'm currently living in Lincolnshire, which is over in the UK.
you say currently like well, where did, have you been are you from somewhere else um, no no not from anywhere else just moved around a lot so um, what, what do you do that makes you move around a lot uh, I'm in the forces oh, so wow. in the Royal Air Force yeah so how, how big's triathlon in the forces um, pretty big yeah I used yeah. to be uh, secretary for the RF club as well so um, there must be getting on for about 700 members now so wow oh, so it's really big yeah yeah wow. it's quite a popular sport um, they'll be doing a um, fact Here's a quick plug. I don't know if it'll come out in time, but next, it's sort of on Wednesday, just after we get back from here, there's going to be a sprint triathlon at RF Cromwell. So okay, there you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pommy yeah. listeners, <laughs> head to the RF Cromwell. 14th of July, something like that. Hey, what got you in a triathlon? Um, I think it was a bit of competition with a friend. So my first triathlon was about 20, just over 20 years ago. Oh, wow. So about 94, something like that. Um, so it was a six former. Um, and yeah, just looking for something different. I think I wanted to be a footballer, um, but. <laughs> kind of deep down knew that that was never going to happen was never good enough so looking for another sport and triathlon came along and have you been in the sport the whole 20 years yeah pretty much i've always done a triathlon most years probably did it a lot more in the early days or yeah. did more racing in the early yeah. days um but nowadays it's probably just one or two sort of longer distance events so focusing on the ironman or iron distance stuff and then uh, maybe a half half distance one as well it's interesting because you're pretty much your whole adult life you've been in triathlon I know, and I'm still no good. So, it's really <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what's good, you know? Like, well, let's get with the philosophical on it. So, so how has the sport, from your perspective, shifted in that time? Um, I think it's a lot more. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot better known now. So, certainly in the early days, nobody would have known about it, would have heard about it, yeah. knew what you were doing, um, and it was non-drafting back then as well. Yeah, which was uh, probably. What I would have preferred as well, sort of the sort of pure side of the sport. Yeah. Um, and it's good to see it's, it is growing, but I don't suppose it's changed a, a great deal in that time for me. Or kind of waffling now, I'm not too sure. Um, yeah, I guess it's grown and it's just become people are more aware of what the sport is, I suppose, yeah. Uh, from the outsider's perspective, the triathlon in the UK seems very, very successful right now. It seems quite large. You've got some great athletes on all levels. Uh, why, why do you feel that's the case? Oh God, I, um, I don't know the reason. Um, it's definitely a popular sport, and yeah. there's there's a you know there's lots of races you can choose from. Yeah. Um, lots of the longer distance stuff is available to us, and uh, we don't have great facilities in the UK. So yeah, you know, comparing yeah. like swimming pools and things like that, that none of that's um, fantastic. Um, but like you say, the sort of kind of athlete that comes through, um, probably even more so in the in the women's field at the moment. There's real good sort of strength and depth. Yeah. Um, there's lots of people excited, looking forward to the next round of the Olympics when there's the mixed relays. Um, lots of people expect. Oh, is that confirmed now? I didn't realise it was confirmed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think wow. I, I don't know if they've confirmed whether it has to go in any kind of set order. Yep. Um, but I think it's gonna be two men, two women. Oh wow. Um, and there's a lot of people. Because did you watch the Commonwealth Games one? I didn't see it, but I think it's just very similar. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was really entertaining to watch. Yeah. It was a great race. Um, and so uh, you, you come into rope. Why is this race appealing to you? Um, I, this one I've known about since the late 90s. I used to be in a, a club in London called Kingfish Triathletes. And it was one of my buddies back then that come over to do Challenge Rote um, and came back raving about it. Really? And then you read that. I mean, I've been a subscriber to magazines and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah you start to see the appeal, watch the... Or, Wanting to be part of the atmosphere is what I'm after more than anything else. So yeah. not too fussed about times on race day, but just want to sort of soak up going up the, the Solarberg Hill and stuff like that and just enjoy that atmosphere. And have you been training well leading into this? Uh, no. <laughs> um, better than usual. So I'm inconsistent. I'm, I'm very consistent. Inconsistent, if I <laughs> I'm um, consistently inconsistent, yeah. <laughs> so I've had a good few weeks from around about March time. 
until just about a couple of weeks ago. So I was doing quite well getting some hours in. So I, I've got no fears in terms of getting round the course and stuff like that, but I don't think I'll be uh, getting a PB. What, what, what is your PB? Um, about 10.58, something like that oh. in Copenhagen, just a couple of years ago. So you got under 11. Yeah, just under 11. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, when, when do you, does your job move you around a lot? It can do, but it hasn't for me, if, I, if I'm honest. I've been quite lucky. Okay. Um, so I spent oh, about 10 years up in the north of Scotland and just moved around different squadrons as opposed to different stations. And I've been down in Lincolnshire about three years or so. So you go back to your kind of consistently inconsistent. Why do you feel that's the case? I know I'm being hard here, but it's terrible. <laughs> why, why do you feel that's the case? Oh, um, not too sure. I think I've always, I go back before I joined the Air Force. So maybe when I was just starting out in triathlon, I was probably more, uh, or was better motivated and able to do it more often, mm. uh, more consistent back then. I guess there's other pressures on light, on time and life nowadays okay. that are a factor. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've all got 24 hours. It's just what you decide to do with them. So, yeah, yeah I guess life does change, doesn't things. it? You know, like, you know, I, 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 on this camp, people ask, well, I get back into triathlon. And it's like, well, I, I see a time in my life where that comes. But at this moment, I just can't prioritise that. And if I, you know, like sometimes you just, you have bigger demands or other demands that means sure there's a plan that i'd love to do but actually that's maybe not realistic right now yeah no that's fair and obviously the longer distance stuff eats yeah. up more of your time as yeah. well so it's a, it's a selfish sport i mean a lot of people will say that so um yeah and i've got young children and, and a dog and all yeah. the other sort of pressures on life that everybody yeah. else sort of deals with so um, how do you manage that um i guess just either try and fit in stuff during the working day if i can do yep. Um, unfortunately, my my wife uh, left me just uh, sort of towards the end of last year. So oh, uh, we've got a sort of fifty fifty split with the oh, children. Great. So sometimes I'll have the kids, and it's very sort of limiting because I've got no other childcare arrangements in mm. place. Um, so I'll be turboing in the kitchen after they've gone to bed, that kind yeah. of stuff. Or if they're with their mother, then you know that gives Especially, me the freedom to yeah. go out and, and do stuff and get some hours back in that way. So yeah. Hey, um, how would you like to be thought of as a triathlete? I'd never really given that any thought, I suppose. Um, uh, just somebody that enjoyed it, I suppose. Yeah, did, did their best. Just had a good, good game. And, and what is enjoyment for you? Um, I guess just uh, I, I enjoy race day. I enjoy being around other people, going through a similar sort of shared experience. Yeah. So I tend to enjoy things if they're going successfully. So yeah. for me, enjoyment might be just sort of meeting those personal challenges. So whatever little goals you set, you set yourself on a day and just seeing other people achieve, you know, whatever they've set themselves as well. So, um, yeah, I suppose that's what I thought. Yeah, interesting stuff, isn't it? Hey, well, good luck this weekend. Thank Absolutely you Smash it out. And, you're, and I reckon you're easy to get on 11 hours. You know, <laughs> easy. Time will sell. We'll be cheering you along. Thanks, Chris. And uh, good luck in just, yeah, thanks for coming to you. Thanks, Rev. Awesome, thanks, Chris. Okay, name and where you are from. Sean Dooley from Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. But you don't have, you don't have the hey yo, do you? You're, you're, from, no. you're actually from... Upstate New York. Upstate. And how yeah. long have you been in Texas for? Uh, pretty much most of my life. Wow. Yeah. So, so where, why did you move to Texas? Uh, dad got transferred. Down oh, really? To, uh, yeah, down to Corpus. And what was that life change like? I don't know. I was really young. Oh, were you really Yeah, young? Okay. I was like four years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you've got an interesting life because you're a stay-at-home dad. And I know it's kind of partly off triathlon, but... I was talking to you the other day and kind of this idea of how the world's not necessarily made for stay-at-home dads. And so can you tell us a little bit about how that works for you? Uh, it's very, very odd 
especially when people ask you the questions, what do you do? Yeah. And even though I do have a degree in accounting, yeah. um, you know, doing uh, the normal stuff that stay-at-home moms would do, it's very different. And the grocery shopping, the the cooking, yeah. having to learn all that, it's been... Oh, so you, it, you weren't necessarily a great cook or... No, oh, not really? at all. Yeah, wow. I've learned that over the years. Wow. And learn how to cook kids' foods uh, when they're real young, the toddler food, so you can take them on the road and do all that. And it's, uh, it's a little different when you go out uh, for parties or social-type gatherings. Mm. People ask you what you do. You're just kind of, well, <laughs> I stay at home with my kids. Because yeah. <laughs> so. like there seems to be a lot of identity in your job. Yeah, you know, and when you say I, I sit home with kids, it's almost like the mother who doesn't feel valued because she's a mother, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite the role reversal. Yeah, huh? it really is. And, and also, there's in the females' world for mothers, there's this kind of these networks that are designed for women. You know, like mums groups and all that. And yeah. is, is there stuff like that for men? Not at all. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> if there is, not in my town. No, not in your town. Yeah. Hey, so what got you into triathlon? Uh, my dad did back in 2014. Wow. He turned 70, and he said. I want this to be my last full distance. So I asked my brother and I to do it with him. Wait, so he'd been doing this sport for a while? Since the 80s. Wow, so he's in the sport. Yeah, he's in the sport. Wow. Yeah. So I couldn't really say no to that. And so my brother and I, uh, I trained for about five or six months, and we did the uh, Rev3 full distance Cedar Point. And so did you have an athletic background before that? Not really. I started running about nine, ten years ago, and... I had just been a runner and tried to learn how to swim real quickly and learn how to ride a bike. But you, you, you've been quite a high-level runner. Like you've, you know, what was your run time, your best PB for your marathon? 2.47. Yeah, so you're a pretty smoking fast runner. So what was the run journey like for you? The run yeah. portion? No, no, just oh. as in, not, not in the Ironman, oh. but as in, like, how did you start running? Um, did, were you kind of good at the start, or was it just a... No, I started running just to get in shape to go elk hunting and up in the mountains. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I would run three days a week and try to prepare myself for the mountain hiking, and it just kind of started from there. The next thing I know, I'm running four days a week, five days a week. I cut out Cokes, and I started trying to eat healthier, and somebody just planned the seed. Maybe you should do a marathon. And I did one marathon and loved it. Really? Yeah. And from there, it uh, just kind of took off. <laughs> what, what, were you, what you were saying, your Boston's your favorite marathon? Boston is my favorite marathon. And why is it? Just the party-type atmosphere. I mean, the kids, everybody wants to slap your hands. Everybody's screaming as you're running by. Uh, when you get to Wesley College, you can hear the screams a half mile away. There's the whole crowd is lined from start to finish. You get to the finish line, towards the finish line, and everyone in Boston's lined up four or five deep. Sometimes in some places ten deep, and everyone's just got signs screaming for you. They don't they don't care who you are, they're screaming for you. Wow! So it's awesome. So you, you come into 2014. You've had nine years of doing marathons. You know you're a pretty experienced endurance athlete to a pretty high level. Um, when you thought about doing an Ironman, what, what were your thoughts? Uh, I thought it'd be a little easier than it was. Oh, really? really? Yeah. yeah. And then I started swimming, and I realized I couldn't <laughs> swim 25 yards. <laughs> oh, really? So you didn't know swimming at all? No swimming at all. Wow. And I had to quickly learn as much as I could and get into some sort of swimming shape. And it. Uh, and it, we, we, where do you swim now? Like, What kind of time do you do an Ironman swimming? I don't know. That one was a little over an hour 30. Okay. I, I don't know. Um, I did a half Ironman about a month ago. 
And that, I don't know. Everyone says the course is measured incorrectly, but I swam it in about 32 minutes. So oh, wow. I don't know. Okay. I'm thinking an hour 10. I don't know. So, so how do you approach improving swimming? I joined a master's class, and that's been the best thing ever for me. I've went from 100 yards from leaving on a minute 50 to now I'm leaving on a minute 40. Oh, wow. In about a year. So. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. the best things for me. What's the club? Uh, TriStar Swimming. TriStar Swimming. Flower Mound, Texas. Good. <laughs> TriStar Swimming. Um, and so then what's the goal for this weekend? The goal, uh, somewhere around 11 hours. I uh, had a little bit of a setback in March. I had to take uh, about four or five weeks off the bike. Okay. And so I was hoping for maybe around 10.30 or so, but that's probably not going to happen. Okay. And how do you approach the race? Uh, I'm going to go hard on the swim just to see what I can do on the swim. Yeah. And I'm going to keep my power at what I think it should be. And it'll probably put me around five hours, 50 minutes, six hours. And for the run, uh, I'm hoping uh, for a 3.30. Yep. So that's... And, and put that all together. It's about, <laughs> that would be about 10 and a half on a great day, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and with with regards to, so you did your first Ironman. Obviously, it, it triggered something? Uh, actually, no. I said that would be the last one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But that's it. I'm not doing it anymore. I'll stick to halves and yeah. Olympics. And there's there's a few full distance that, that I'd like to do. And one of them, this was Challenge Roth. Yeah. And when this opportunity came up, I couldn't pass it up. Really? Yeah. Really. Um, how do you manage training being a, a, a parent whose full-time job is to be the parent? And then the training, how do you make that work in, together? I get up really early. Yeah. Uh, four o'clock. Four o'clock. Monday through Friday. Wow. And depending on the day, it depends on whether I swim or bike or run. And then Saturday mornings, I get up at four. Saturday is always the same thing, though. It's an hour and a half to two hour bike ride on the trainer. And then I'll run for about four or five miles afterwards. Wow. And then Sunday morning, four o'clock in the morning, and I'll, I'll do a long run. So you're up four o'clock every day? Yeah. Do you, ever, do you need to sleep? Like, do you, do you uh, kind of occasionally go, no, today's our sleeping day? Uh, I've taken one day off in the last couple months. Wow. So what's the discipline with that? Because I'm like, going I, to bed early. Really? Yeah. So what time do you go to bed? 8.30, 9 o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Just crash. Oh, uh, yeah, I crash hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Hey, how would you like to be thought of? And I, know, I, I Do you identify as a triathlete yet? Not really. No, yeah. I don't. Yeah. So maybe you see yourself as a runner? Yeah, I still see myself as a runner, yeah. Because so, I've been asking everyone, how, do they see, how would they like to be thought of as a triathlete? But maybe for someone like yourself who probably still sees himself as a runner who does some triathlon, um, how would you like to be thought of as an endurance athlete? Uh, I guess just someone that goes out there and puts in the training, puts in the work, and just keeps putting at it. And I've gotten better uh, as time has, as I've progressed, but just... Someone that puts in the work and uh, enjoys it. Mm. Do, you, you, do you think you'll be back to do more iron distance after this? Not for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's tough with little kids. Cause yeah. My older one is having to babysit quite a bit. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. <laughs> you look after, I'll go to train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good luck this weekend. Hopefully we do Thanks. see 10 and a half out there. We'll be cheering you along. And right. uh, things going on. All right. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Your name and where you are from. 
Tim Joseph's Detroit, Michigan, United States of America. What are they called? Detroit? Motor City. Motor City. Motor City. That is correct. Motor, yes. And Detroit's big music, isn't it? Because Motown was Detroit, Motown. wasn't it? Yep, Motown. Is it still a big music city? Sure. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, I don't know that it has the presence that Motown has, yeah. but it's we've still got some presence there. Yeah. 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 Hey, so how long? What got you, let's step right from the start. What got you into triathlon? Uh, I was year. I was a cross country runner in junior high and a little bit of high school, and then quit and took up partying and you know. As you do. Poor lifestyle and uh, in my early thirties got divorced, made some lifestyle changes, and kind of just gravitated back into the to the multi sport lifestyle and uh, just kind of went from there. When you've gone from a life where you know the party and all the kind of the effects of that lifestyle, was it easy to get back into sport? Uh, yeah, because when I quit drinking. Um, it was kind of a natural progression back into it. I started on a uh, marathon relay team at work, and then that, from there it kind of just went. And we had a uh, the health club I was at um, had a fishbowl to drop your business card for triathlon training, and nobody the instructors they had in the the, the group had had none, none of them have ever done a race. Oh wow! And so the group started off with like fifty people, and by the time the race showed up, there was only three of us left. Oh, really? That just actually did the, did the race, and then uh, from there, I just got a buddy that was training with, and we raced pretty much every weekend for the first two years. Wow! So yeah. it just became your buzz. Yeah, it was our buzz. Yeah. 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 Um, so how long have you been in the sport for? About fifteen years. So why has triathlon had this ability to sustain you? Uh, you know, I just I kind of gravitated to the uh, the lifestyle of it. Yeah. You know, just uh, the healthy lifestyle, and you know, when you get into the nutrition side of it, and then the exercise, just. And the, the various events and activities that you can do between, you know, running and just cycle racing and triathlon and the various distances. It's, you know, the, the, in the 15 years, I've had some highs and lows with it as far as my love and hate for it. Mm. But I, I just, I know I enjoy the environment and the people in it. Mm. Um, and so I just, you know, I keep at it and, you know, it just goes from there. And now as a parent, you know, I want my kids to see a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. You know, and someone who's active and yeah. uh, healthy and, you know, being single, it helps, you know, maintain my condition. Yeah. You know, and so it's, uh, it's pretty much it. Tell, tell us about the highs and lows. So, so tell, what, what does the low mean, like in the sport? Uh, just times where you just, like, hate the training okay. you know, and don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, if, at least for me, it's, you know, there's been periods where I've had other priorities and just last thing I want to do is get up and put in three or four mornings a week swimming in the middle of winter mm, yeah, and sitting on the trainer yeah, and running in the freezing snow and the rain and just, you know, you get periods where it's just like, yeah, screw it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. And, um, but I always know that once I do something or start something, you know, then I'll feel better once I get going. Okay. And I love coming to the events. I mean, this, I mean, this event here that we're at the, the camp, um, I knew once I got here, I would be stoked about the race on Sunday. Yeah. And, and I have been. I mean, this has been a great environment and just uh, it's been a great, great time. You coach? How long have you been coaching for? Almost 10 years. Wow. What, what was it? Just a natural evolution? Well, I wanted to be a, a college professor and decided that that wasn't the route to go and just kind of you know, progressed into coaching. I had a friend that did it, um, was a coach down in Texas and um, saw that she enjoyed it. And triathlon was really taken off at that time, 10 years ago, and uh, went and took the coaching certification, and um, yeah, the rest is history. 
So and, and but, but your coaching is part time for you because obviously yeah, you've got a pretty I have a full time gig. I'm a business owner, and um, that's my full priority. I don't. You, you certainly can't make a living, at least the kind of living I want. Like yeah. Coaching. Yeah. So yeah. so what's the key to being a good coach? Listening. Really? Yeah. Just listening. And what do you mean by that? Just, you know, hearing, you know, someone who's 50 years old, I, I have a little bit of a different view on the world today than I would have at, at 30. Mm-hmm. So in being a sales guy, you know, part of being successful in sales is being able to listen mm-hmm. and uh, just hearing what the, the athletes say and, um, you know, just being able to interpret, you know, what they want instead of trying to force feed them something. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see from athletes? Uh, the recovery, you know, not getting the proper recovery and trying to do too much. You know, the, the biggest thing I teach my clients is consistency will reward you more than anything else. Mm. I mean, you don't have to go in and put in 20 hour weeks, but if you're consistently doing something a little bit every day and consistent week in and week out, if you can only do five days a week or five workouts a week, do the five, but be consistent about it. Mm. You, you can't make up for lost workouts. And, um, you know, the other thing is, is that to remind them you, you're not a professional, you know, do this for fun. Yeah. So. Yeah. When you see an athlete, like sometimes, I remember once I was at a point where there's, a, there's quite an iconic coach in Christchurch called Rowley. Uh, he's a swim coach and he's in a wheelchair, so we call him Rowley. Right. Uh, and yes. uh, anyone who swam in Christchurch will know Rowley. And uh, I remember one time an athlete turned up to a session and the heart just wasn't there and, and Rowley was just quite hard on him and just said, look, mate, you need to leave, you know, because mm-hmm. what's the point? Right. Like, where, how do you deal with the athlete who you know has lost motivation? Who's lost motivation? Yeah, like, you know, like maybe you, know, you talked about how when I was in my place and, you know, I lost the love for it and, mm-hmm. you know, and with that comes a loss of motivation. Whereas when you're in that peak place, the snow or the cold day just is a challenge that you're embracing, you right. know? And so how do you, what do you do with the person who maybe is in that place? Well, some of it, you know, they just, you know, part of it, you know, I look at it that, you know, just go out and do something. You know, and just to try to keep them engaged because, you know, it's like anything. You have the highs and lows in the training mm. and, you know, you always feel better after you work out. Mm. And, um, you know, part of it, too, as a coach is to understand. I mean, I, writing the plans is the easiest yeah. part of being a coach. Yeah. Really, you know, for me, it's more about being a psychologist, a cheerleader, um, uh, a marriage counselor. I mean, there's various roles that you play as a coach, and writing the plans is the easiest part. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you just have to know the athlete. A lot of the clients that I've worked with, I've worked with year in and year out, and um, you just get to know their personality. You know, when someone's getting in a bad spot, you know that I have to pay a little bit more attention to them mm, at that point in time. Mm. You know, I got one guy that I literally have to go to his office oh, wow. and sit and calm him down because I know he's freaking out before he gets to an event. Okay. But just it's it's calming them down and uh, just you know understanding getting to know the personalities. I mean yeah. that's just as critical as knowing what they can and can't do physically. So if I, I mean can... you talk a lot about the psychology of stuff. Yeah, and it's, totally. And, and I that's the the route I come at it because I don't have the physiological expertise that some of the other people have. Mm. So I look at it more as uh, a lot of cases is playing more of a psychologist than mm. necessarily a, a you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, what you're saying. Is that kind of if I can listen, have a greater understanding of your needs, then I can support you in the way it's going to help you forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, what, what's the goal for this weekend? My goal? Yeah. First of all, is to finish. Yeah. I haven't done a full in ten years. Oh wow! So this was purely just you doing it, just because it was a bucket list. Yeah, it was, and and it actually, the funny thing is, I'll blame you guys. <laughs> the <fact laughs> we'll take that it. <laughs> they, uh, I was listening to your podcast one time on a long run on a Sunday. And it was like, I think October or November, and you were, John was talking about the camp. And I thought, 
and I was had the runners high, and I was coming back. I'm like <laughs> Roth. That's I got to get into that. I want to do it. And I got back, sent John a note, an email, literally that day, and he says, "Yep, you know, go ahead and put you on the list." And um, that was it. Roth has been one of the you know the cliche bucket list things. And um, uh, the goal is a is to finish. And you know I got a time goal in mind, but you know based on what I know my training's been, you know I'm not going to get too hung up on it. I'm I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm I think I may have told you, but I'm looking at this more as a an event than yeah. a race. Yeah. So for me, it's more about the participation of it yeah. and enjoying it enjoying the the just the scenery, enjoying the the crowds. I mean, th- that picture climbing Solar Hill is like I, I can't wait. Yeah. Just, uh, that'll be a cool experience. Yeah, for so, sure. So and then just you know, this camp has been. This is my first camp. And I've already sent some notes back to some friends at home and said, you know, you got to do one of these. This has just a, been a phenomenal experience, and you guys have done a, a phenomenal job. Oh, and, cool. Uh, Thank you. I definitely uh, definitely will do it again. It's just a question of where and when. Yeah. So. How would you like to be thought of as a triathlete? Oh. You know, when I was younger in the sport, it, I pictured myself as a triathlete you know today it's it, it, it's something I do mm-hmm. it's not you know when people describe me oh you know I go to business meetings and you know I'm in shape for 50 years old compared to a lot of my peers yeah of course and people talk about oh he's a triathlete and it's like mm-hmm. okay you know for me it's more about just conversation talking about the you know mass start on the swims but you know triathlon to me now is more of just something I do mm-hmm. it's part of the whole picture Mm. You know, more of, you know, I like to think of myself more as a dad first, yeah. you know, and a parent and yeah. then, you know, kind of a business owner and then just, you know, all around individual and triathlon something I just kind of do for shits and giggles, you yeah, know, nice. so nice. Hey, well, good luck this weekend Thank and you. enjoy appreciate that ride up that hill no, and, uh, sure we'll, and we'll, 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 we'll be cheering you along, mate. Yeah, I appreciate on. it, man. Awesome. Thanks. thanks. Okay, John. So you're, we are what? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four and a half days out from the race. Mm. Uh, how are you feeling? Feeling a bit better about my swim now. I was a bit worried the other day. We I did sort of a one k effort in the in the road sea, and I looked at my watch when I finished, going, and even if the GPS is out, that's pretty shit. <laughs> and I was going, man, I thought I was just starting to come around my swimming, but then yesterday did some good fifties at the pool, and times were really quite good. I was very happy and had a pretty reasonable swim yesterday. So I think I'm still struggling a bit with the sleeping. Oh, yeah? First first day, I think I woke up at one o'clock, and then I got to three o'clock, and then yesterday I think was about four. So a bit of a struggle on that front. Uh, are you getting in, like? Are you going to sleep early? So you're getting enough sleep? Yeah, just, mm. just, and yeah. So now I'm I'm feeling confident. Uh, the forecast is looking a bit hotter now, which will make it harder, but sort of looking like it's going to be 28, 29 degrees centigrade. Um, so could be worse, could be better. Yeah. But no, feeling good. Feeling confident? Just got to make sure you don't work me too hard the next couple of days, Bevan. I'm going to be smacking you out, I tell you. The wonderful Joe is taking a lot of the load off me, which is great. I can can take no responsibility for anything. Um, Okay, so let's just quickly wrap up. Sponsors are? Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Lactic Buffer. And our patrons. And we've got many campers, but we've also got many people who support the show. And if you want to become a patron, just go to www.iamtalk.me, and it's all very clear on the page. Now, one thing is, if you are enjoying the shows and you want to kind of spread the word, just go out and put it on your Twitter, your Facebook, or your social media, and let your friends know about what we're doing here. From here on in, it's going to be a bit more pro and a lot more pro content coming up, and a bit more about the challenge experience, because pretty much from today forward, or from tomorrow forward, that's when the kind of challenge experience comes along. So we're... 
we'll get you that hype. It, it was really interesting been doing all the age group and all the, all the camp interviews, how how important this race or how kind of aspirational this race is to everyone. It was bucket list race for lots of them, yeah. Melina included. They're all going, I've always kind of wanted to do a camp with you guys, etc. But as soon as you said challenge race, it's like, boom, I'm on it. Yeah. You know, I've always wanted to do that race. Uh, so, yeah, I think a lot of people are very excited. Good times. Okay, John, let's wrap it up. Iron Russ. I mean, no. Train hard. Train smart. Kicker. Kicker.